Hello once again, and welcome to the Counter Press Podcast. I am your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me after a long layoff, Josh Cacho. Josh, welcome back to the show. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. I mean, it's it's been a nice holiday break, and now just trying to get back into the swing of things, both you know at work and on the golf course. So you know, in doing the off season, the off season thing, the way that you know most of these guys do, right? Just hitting the links, not a care in the world. Um, it is good to be back. I I felt kind of like I was a bit out of form myself. Uh, and it, it, it's interesting the way inertia works too, even, even in podcasting, it's kind of like you, you get out of it and it's like, oh, well, maybe we can do it this week or, uh, can we do it tonight? No, tonight doesn't work for whatever reason. So it's good to have it back on the schedule. Hopefully we'll, uh, be a bit more regular now that the, now that things are starting to heat up. Um, LAFC have made a bunch of signings. There's lots of news to get to. And, uh, before you know it, preseason matches will be here. So we won't just have to text each other only about how much we hate Greg Berhalter. We can talk about other stuff too. Um, speaking of Greg Berhalter, let's just go ahead and do a quick thing on that. I know this isn't in the show notes. I'm just springing it on you. But uh, thoughts on this World Cup qualifying window, Josh? So I think like most people, it, I was definitely taken aback at the amount of MLS players on on the roster. Um, but as I started to kind of listen to a couple more things and, you know, obviously, you know, take, take what, what is coming from state media and, and, and mm-hmm. bigger, bigger, um, outlets like ESPN with the grain of salt. But I do think, um, Herc had a good point in saying that the biggest thing and is dealing with COVID right now, right. In mm-hmm. terms of how, how you can you basically know exactly where all the guys who are stateside RB you know have been you know obviously the guys you have to call in right so the Pulisics the McKennies Adams you know your your Musa you're not gonna not call those guys in but for the guys that you find yourself on the I could go either way right um, you probably are gonna lean towards an MLS side uh, you know some of the MLS guys because it's just less to think about. Um, in terms of of the travel and some of those things, um, because of because of coronavirus concerns. So, again, I'm I'm probably a little less irritated than I was when it first dropped. But you know, yeah, I think I, I think there's merit there with the with the COVID concerns. Um, personally, probably because I work in the operating room and like we frequently operate on COVID positive patients, and everybody's in there wearing a N ninety five and like everybody is fine. Um I think a lot of people have been working and doing regular life things under different circumstances. So to me that's still a bit of like uh, uh it's a bit tap dancey for me. I would like but I, what I do think, Josh, is that MLS guys are always going to get the benefit of the doubt because they are at Camp Cupcake. And so that they're naturally the ones that are in the group, right? So uh, Camp Cupcake is a term, for those who don't know, for the USMNT camp that happens almost every single January. And it always involves a bunch of MLS players because they're in the offseason. 
and none of the European guys can come because it's not an official FIFA window. So coaches come in and they get used to having these guys around and it's just a familiarity thing, right? Uh, where, uh, I mean, I, I guess we can take an egregious example. Greg has seen Brooks Lennon around and he hasn't seen much of Joe Scally personally, right? And like face to face. So he's comfortable there. There's a, there's a certain safety that he, you feel as a coach when your players are there with you and you know exactly what you're going to get. There's no wild cards. Um, I don't think that's a good thing. I just think it's a, it's like a soft benefit that MLS players get um, where they're always going to get the benefit of the doubt. And like you said, all things being equal, they're going to go with the MLS guy. So whether it's COVID or just comfort, I don't know, but, uh, anyway, here we are. Um, everybody's talking about a nine point window. It's probably what they should expect given the state of El Salvador with, I think they just had like their, one of their attacking mids go down with an ankle injury or something. And Eustachio's out for Canada. Davies is out for Canada. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I never will be surprised by Greg Berhalter's ability to screw something up at the last minute, though. So it's true. Notwithstanding the trophies he's won and all the games that he won in the last year, I get it. Historic year, got it. Won a bunch of trophies, got it. Doing well so far in qualifying, got it. Uh, but I remember watching that Honduras game. <laughs> I remember watching the first El Salvador game. And I remember watching Canada beat the brakes off of Berhalter's team just a year and a half ago. So um, everybody buckle up. Anyway, anything else on that before we get into LAFC, Josh? No, I'm having to say it's one of those things where it's like, we'll, <laughs> we'll see what we can see. I mean, I said, I think the fr- the frustration will, it's it's always one of those things where if they play well, we'll back off. You know, it's 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 always that up and down because yeah, of... Yeah because of the nature of how Berhalter ended up in the job, obviously we're always yeah. going to have a, yeah. a definitely more hot take reaction to the things that happened for him, as opposed to, you know, had, you know, having the more um, 10,000 foot approach that we do with yeah. LAFC. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, at this point, like Berhalter's the guy through Qatar, at least, um, so we'll get through the World Cup this year, and then we'll fight the battle afterward, depending on how that goes. So anyway, on to more pressing matters with LAFC and what everybody actually listens to us for. Um, LAFC have made a bunch of signings, and they, a lot of people have left. Uh, but, Josh, we must we, with Bob leaving, we had to come up with a new tagline for the show. Um, it used to be, a football or a podcast about football ideas because ideas or football without it, man, I am butchering this because football without ideas isn't football or something, right? Mm-hmm. It's probably because it's a total non sequitur anyway that I'm butchering it. But uh, so new tagline for the show, Josh, it's about the football homie. Do you care to elaborate first on that? I mean, you know, from the very beginning, you know, the, the thing that we've always focused on has definitely been, the tactics and what it goes into. Obviously we're going to dive a little bit into the roster build and how those things affect it. Mm-hmm. But really, I think that's, that, that's the reason why we do this is just both of us are, are, are tactics nerds and we, you know, and that's the stuff that we love. So, yeah, you know, there you go. Uh, a lot of good things about 
LAFC as a team, community building, all that stuff. The, the, what they've accomplished with the supporters in the 3252 is, is unrivaled in the league. Um, maybe in North America, I don't know. Um, but for us, what attracts us to the game is the game itself. Um, 22 people on the field, right? So that's, that's our focus. Um, and we don't really stray anywhere else because we don't know anything else. <laughs> at least, at least for me, like I, I, I don't know. I, I no longer live in Los Angeles, so I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't have my ear to the ground with all the other stuff that, that surrounds the team and, and the culture that they've, that they've created. Uh, so for me, it's about, uh, the 11 players on the field and what's going on there. Uh, anyway, so Josh, why don't you lead us off with who's left since we, since we last recorded? I mean, so outside of the kind of the fringe roster, right? I mean, those are only going to affect some of those things so much, right? Outgoing. Right, right. Um, more importantly, right, we have obviously Diego Rossi who left in the middle of last year, mm-hmm. um, which still obviously there's still – we have to kind of talk about it because of, of the spot that he leaves open and has yet to be filled. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Pablo Cisniega in a trade to Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Bryce Duke in the trade to Inter Miami, um, Tristan Blackman. Oh, yeah, and Tristan Blackman in the trade to Charlotte, to Vancouver via Charlotte. Yeah, right. So yeah. you have those those moves there. Um, you know, and obviously, I think the ones that we were probably most shocked about were Blackman and Duke, right? right? Because right. Blackman, you know, obviously had been a, seemed to be a club favorite. Um, you know, just within the locker room as well, but also with the hierarchy of the club and what they saw him, what they saw his potential to be. Um, you know, maybe he's a Bob guy or maybe Bob was the one that was highest on him, but, you know, gave gave a lot of flexibility. But obviously with some of the incomings, it makes him a little bit more expendable, um, you know, and and maybe you get a little bit more from from the guys that you brought in in, in, in replacement. Um, obviously, Cisnego, you know, we've we've needed a, a true number one. Um, we've definitely spent the money to get there now, <laughs> and um, obviously, as you're with the way that the MLS contract stuff works, right? You're not going to pay your backup keepers that much. You know, you're not going to want to yeah. have the, uh, yeah. a bigger salary hit. So as he's been in the league for longer than Romero, say Romero, um, who's a homegrown player, yeah, who's a homegrown player, right? Count against your the the cat and yeah, I think yeah yeah the and I think Cisnega is international as well right uh, I don't know because he has an American passport as well so I okay, don't maybe know that's if he's changed. technically so, an international player yeah so you know but even then like I said not being a homegrown having you know like that, that changes the dynamic in terms of right. the salary cap right so I think he's mm-hmm. more of a cap casualty than anything I'm sure. If they could have just left him as the you know the reserve keeper, they probably would have if if that was an option. And then uh, yeah, and then the last one would be you know obviously or the biggest one and the biggest Atuesta. hole that we're going to fill is Edward Atuesta. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in a move to Palmeiras, uh, man, it's sometimes now given how crazy the transfer market has gotten over the last in the last week or so, I'm like, man, should they have held out a little bit longer? Yeah, but at the same yeah. time, I think 
having run his contract down as long as they did, you know, he did us a favor by re-signing when he did right. last year. Right. So, you know, there's only so much you're going to do there. And, you know, you still have a decent opportunity to make some money there with, with, if he hits his, um, if he hits his, um, what are they called? Like his add-ons. Right. Um, Kickers. And then last, yeah. Yeah. And then lastly, you have Bryce Duke, who both of us were pretty bummed about because I think we saw, you know, obviously we followed him closely since he's got to the team um, and definitely saw him grow into the game and some of the potential that Toronto was really able to bring out in him last year. Yeah. But I think to be fair, um, it was probably the best move for him as an individual because he gets an opportunity to play more in Miami likely because of their, their, um, what is it called? Their, their blaze Matuidi situation that's required <laughs> them to trade the entire team, um, They're or loan out their entire team. Not so, really a DP DP. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's smarter ways to go about that that don't require you to break the rules. Yeah. So obviously, you know, Duke should get an opportunity and we're happy, to, you know, happy for him there. But obviously, sad to see him go as well. Yeah. So I tweeted out back in I think it I think in November, if LAFC sells Bryce Duke for a million in gam, I'm going to lose it. Little did I know, Josh, that it wasn't going to be a million in gam. It was going to be a hundred thousand in gam, which, again, to me seems like I, I guess it, it seems absurdly low. I realize that it's all funny money and that there's not a true reference point for it and that you end up getting Kellen Acosta for a million and change and we sold Mark Anthony Kay for a million. So apparently you have to be like a full-time starter, fringe national team player for it to be a million. But to me, Bryce Duke had so much promise in a midfield role that, LAFC doesn't have anybody else in. They don't have anybody else in that uh, that creator role or or more of a pure number 10. Um, and the fact that he was both homegrown and American doesn't cost you an, interna- an international spot, doesn't hit, you know, doesn't hit the cap at all, uh, seems like a weird one to let go of. But like you said, if it's them doing right by a player and we continue to show players that, look, we're going to bring you in and get you to a place that you're going to thrive or, you know, we'll give you the shot that you need to, to make a bigger move, then okay, I get it. Uh, even if I am a bit disappointed. So after all that, Josh, uh, the sky was falling for the LEFC faithful because there was nothing for a long time on uh, signings and people, I, people started to panic, Josh, they started to panic. Yeah. And obviously we had that first move, right? That was a little, that was the earliest one. And one of the first moves I think of the, of the window was Escobar coming in, right? Which, yeah, that one was early. Yeah, it's true. Um, which is obviously not, not something we're used to, but at the same time, um, I think when once you bring him in, right then, then the Blackman move makes a lot more sense, right? Um, because I think he, I think people weren't as excited about that because they already have Moon in place, so yeah. it's kind of like it's it's first of all it's a it's a transfer from MLS, which all of them ended up being from MLS, but 
Um, and people got excited about those, but I, I do think moon being there was kind of like, all right, well, so why, what are we doing with this guy? Uh, another center back, right back, not exactly a hybrid, more of a right back than a center back, but can do both. Um, big part of what Atlanta did. Sorry, I cut you off there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I actually really like that first move was like, okay, this, it was the first step that remind that I felt solidified the team. Yeah. Right. Because I think one of the things that you and I have been harping about as it pertains to the roster build was that there had always been this lack of a veteran presence since um, Beta Shore left. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, that was always the big one to us. Right. It was like, man, like, you know, because he was the last man standing in terms of veteran presence. Yeah. And, and, you know, like I said, is Beta Trent Alexander Arnold? No, but we don't necessarily need him to because you have Carlos Vela on the wing. Right. Yeah. And so it's it became one of the situations where I it and one of the issues we've had with with Kim Moon Wan was his l- lack of lack of ability and or desire to play any sort of defense whatsoever. Yeah. Right. While still not being Trent Alexander Arnold. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to be right. a world class attacking fullback, so be it. Right. I'll I'll deal with the, the I'll deal with the lack of defense if you're going to provide the the greatest of service I've ever seen. Yeah. Do you but, think Do you think uh, Zidane was ever worried about where Marcelo was? Yeah. No. You know, because he's he's the most dangerous attacking fullback possibly ever. Right. Absolutely. So and and you also you have want. Casemiro. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so obviously, but looking at LAFC's roster last year, when you have a distributor at the six rather than a destroyer, mm-hmm. right? You need that. You need that right back to have a little bit more defensive responsibility, right? And then right. we, I always felt Beta did ha, struck that balance perfectly. Um, I think es- when you look at Escobar's tenure with Atlanta, right? He's a guy that's played as a hard that they can play that hard man, right center back role for them, but then also score the game winner, the game winner in the MLS Cup. Right, right as a as a attacking wingback, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think in that game they played Tata played Gressel in the midfield, and and Escobar out wide. Yeah, right. So you get a little, bit, you get both, you get the defensive, you know, both of their defensive skills, but at the same time still maintain their ability to create down, you know, create. So like I said in terms of filling gaps and need, you know, striking balances, and then also finding guys that that give you a little bit more and are, are a little less of a, um, you know, that were more well-rounded in terms of their overall game. I think it was a great, that was, to me, that was the, a good first step. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a, it's an interesting move uh, for certain. And it's just a matter of time. I mean, we'll talk about what we think Chirundolo is going to do. Um, but I think that'll dictate a lot on whether or not we see Moon or, or we see Escobar more frequently. Um, later moves that they announced, I think the next one that was announced was Ilya San- Sanchez from Sporting KC, who is a defensive midfielder, has filled in at center back, uh, not to the greatest results there, but very much as I see him, a, a Regista sort of uh, holding midfielder more than a more than, like you said, a destroyer who's going to sit back and just be a ball winner and screen the back line. I think he is much more of a, a deep-lying playmaker. 
and uh, somebody that's going to hold possession. You can play through him in your possession game and then back out to attacking mids and, and wingers. Yeah, I mean, the the first thing that comes to mind, right, is is like a Fabinho or a Busquets, right? They, they, the, there are six that sits in between, that's going to sit in between the two center backs, mm-hmm. right? And they can, and they're going to cycle the ball. They're going to be able to defend well from that position, but then also hit that pat, hit that, you know, that, that, that cross, you know, from the six to a winger on the, you know, on, yeah. and put it on a plate for the winger, you know, or, or just kind of make sure that the, the play continues to cycle through them and they can get forward every now and then and hit a good, you know, and that's the thing that you're going to, you're going to see from Ilya is that from the six, right. He, he can hit that deep pass, but it should he be in a position where he's going to get forward. He can also make that slip pass as well. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and set someone up, um, you know, so, you know, something closer to what we saw from Atuesta, right. Is it going to be Atuesta? No. Atuesta was, that is the golden goose of MLS, right? Yeah. He's yeah. he's the guy that doesn't cost you a a um, a DP slot, but plays like a DP. Yep. Right. And you those yep. guys only come around so often in the league, um, you know. And usually they're gone because you don't want to have to pay them. That you also don't want to have to pay them DP money, um, if if at all possible, especially yeah. at, when at the age that they brought them in. So. Yeah, I think it'll be different from what we're used to, but at the same thing, I think it's going to bring again, again given the guys that you have in, it's going to give you a lot more, deep, you know, a lot more balance to the offense um, when when we're in possession. Because I think what ends up happening, right, is you can play Ilya there and allow a guy like Kim Un Wan to bomb forward now, because now you're going to basically have that six dropping between the lines, versus when yeah, Hatswest yeah. is there, you know, from the six, he's like pushing up into the box mm-hmm. right which now if moon can also pushes forward where, where's your cover and we got beat right. there quite right. a bit right um you know and i think it was Ilya that beat us when the game that you and i attended last year mm. um in the K- skc game who basically when that right back was pushing forward you just see that 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 diagonal hit right yep. into the space yeah um yeah. you know for their wingers to pick up so uh, he, you know, he'll be able to hit the pass that we want him to, but at the same time, provide I think a little bit more defensive stability, um, you know, in in the long run. Yeah, yeah. Next signing they brought in was Kellen Acosta. Um, I I like this move. I do consider it an upgrade over Mark Anthony K. Uh, if not in overall quality, certainly in what LAFC needed which is more somebody who's going to win more 1v1 matchups uh, defensively, I would say, and is going to be, I think, a little more careful in connecting possession. Uh, We talked a lot about Mark Anthony Kay winning a ball, oftentimes, you know, stepping up, intercepting a ball, and immediately firing something in, like trying to play a ball in behind for one of the wingers, and those just being cut out time and time and time again. Uh, so I, I don't think that's Acosta's game, playing those it, you know immediate through balls. Um, and I think that'll save him some trouble uh, and while, while playing for the black and gold. Yeah, I mean, I basically see Acosta as Jordan Henderson. Mm, right? Okay. The, the, 
the you know and again we're going to talk more about Turandolo's you know philosophies and some of these things and his influences um, later on but when you when you watch a team like Liverpool play right Henderson's role is basically to recycle possession and then make the right moves when like it's it's basically the right place right time guy who can do a little bit of everything Right. Yeah. yeah. We, you know what we've seen from Acosta with the national team, right? Is that he can he he's a guy who can provide service, right? He can score a goal if you need to in the air. Yeah. Um. You know he's good for you know maybe a goal or two a year, right? You know like we're yeah. not like but you know he's not a ten, right? He's a he's a he's a six slash eight in a in a box to box guy. But again, yeah. I think yeah. that the the best description of his role is a shuttler. Right, either right, either right. in a four two three one or in a four three three, but he's the perfect guy that if you again if your wingbacks are bobbing forward, he's a guy that flattens out into the space, mm-hmm. you know, and and defends there right in that kind of inverted midfield role. Well, I mean, you, know, you see him, you see him spot fill at both right and left back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of him at left back, but he can he can do a job at right back. Um, so yeah, he's one of those guys that you can have stay home if he's not going to be in a like total box to box role. Um, yeah, like I said, I think I think his, you know, like I said, if given given how much the front three enjoys being on the ball, right? I think this right. this team is going to shift a little bit from what we've seen, where it was, you know, one of the mid, you know, whether it was Kiera Tuesta or even Blessing at times, right? They kind of the three of them are going to rotate who does what. Often yeah. leaving leaving the back line exposed, but mm-hmm. that was kind of the what the tactic was, pushing up you know into the half space and then trying to set up the forward, as opposed to what we'll probably see now, more of now is kind, like I said, is is closer to what Bar- Barca did in the past, where you know you let that right winger cut inside and then the and you know you basically had you know either Xavi or Iniesta kind of floating to the outside. Yeah. Right, and playing from the outside in or inside out, um, you know, and again, like I said, more specifically, and I think probably a better comparison is Jordan Henderson with, with Liverpool right now in terms of where he ends up. Um, yeah, is that, I think we're going to deviate a little bit from that Man City way where, like I said, where you, your eights, folk, you know, or even the U.S. national team, right, where the eights are getting up into that half space. Mm-hmm. You know, they play as that half space merchant, right? Um with a de- with a dis- with a uh, with a destroyer six. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think I think when you look at the composition of the midfield, you have to, barring any new signings, and we'll talk about that later as well. But um, they're really like Bryce Duke left, and that's the it. Like that's the end of creators, right? Uh, we've talked about Sifu not being that. I mean, in a lot of ways, I think Sifu's game is a lot like Acosta's, except I think. Sifu is more comfortable comfortable carrying the ball through the midfield on his own. Like he's a guy that uh, is almost more of a shuttler. I know we called Acosta a shuttler just a couple minutes ago, but I think he's even more of a shuttler than than Acosta is. Uh, but I mean, aside from that, you don't have somebody that's going to be in the attacking third pulling strings uh, in the midfield. You just yeah. that's that's not the way they're set up. So I think. I think you are right. If it, if we do see the four three three, it could it could very well be much more of like a blue collar, industrious Liverpool esque midfield that's going to be focused on winning balls and providing cover for the fullbacks who are getting forward 
much more frequently. Um, which the LAFC doesn't seem to play with traditional wingers. Certainly, if they have if if Vela is sticking around uh, and Rodriguez is here as well, those are not those are both inverted wingers, right? So uh, I think you are right. And then if you have Chicho, who's capable of playing as a second striker or or leading the lines, then he's he can be in a false nine role as well that drops into midfield to help to help create from there. So. Uh, I don't think it's, I don't think that's the worst, the worst thing. Uh, all right. Anything else on the midfield before we move on to the other big signing? No. Oh, don't, do you forget? Did, were you going to bring up, um, to jury Shradi too? I think that was, the Oh yeah, that absolutely. That's yeah. That's, that's a pretty big signing. Um, so to jury Shradi, who is also an inverted right winger. I I've, I know he can play at the 10, but certainly seems like a winger signing to me. Um, I guess only time will tell, but uh, has scored some magnificent Carlos Vela-esque goals for, for NYCFC. Seems to be a depth piece, but um, again, time will tell, really. Yeah, I, I think he's... Obviously, like I said, you, you if he's willing to play in that role, right, He's mm-hmm. he is your attacking super sub right if if right, Latif right. is your your defensive you know kind of midfield slash defensive switch army knife Deshari is basically that that version in the forward line right yeah. gives you a little bit more creativity gives you cover if one of the if one of the forwards is out for any particular reason you know can play all the way across the you know any of those any of the attacking positions um you know that I mean can play into the midfield if need be um you know, but like I said, I think he's he's definitely a guy that I think is going to to have a you know pretty prominent role in in you know coming off the off the bench. Like I said, I, my yeah. guess is he's probably that first attacking option that comes on, right? Which is a lot different from last year, where again, I, I yeah, I I feel like you and I talked about little else other than. This roster is too thin. It's too thin. It's too thin. It's too thin. Danny Musovsky is always the sub because that's the only guy around, and it just feels like conceding the match when you bring him in because it, he's he's not going to be the guy that breaks it open. Yeah. So I do think when you need a little more oomph in the midfield or from the wing, um, you know, if you're taking off a guy like Sifu and putting Tajiri Shradi into the midfield, along with Vela and Rodriguez and Chicho, that's that's a player that is goal dangerous enough to get you back over the top uh, in terms of being able to put one in the back of the net. So uh, again, like like we called for last year, not that we were the only ones doing it or that you know we're the only ones with the idea, but a significant increase in the number of veterans around this team, um, including goal dangerous ones. So it's an exciting time. The mm-hmm. last guy they signed, uh, Max Crepeau, the goalkeeper from Vancouver, who put up a dime piece of saves <laughs> against us uh, back in November, I think it was, to keep them. I think they, he kept at a draw, and it was just like he was being peppered and saved everything, and LAFC took notice and went out and got him, another million-dollar in-gam player. Yeah, I mean, I never thought I'd be that excited to see a, a- – a, a new keeper come in, but again, given given what we've seen, 
And I actually never thought that we the team would have a top, you know, <laughs> a top three keeper, let alone a top ten keeper in the league. Yeah, yeah. Um, but obviously, that you know, right now that's what we got. Obviously, I haven't seen too much with because of the way Vancouver plays. You know, I haven't seen him do much with the ball on the ground. Um, even with Canada, right? They're they're more of a counterattacking team yeah. than anything else. Mm-hmm. But again, it, it's going to be better than what we've had as a yeah player. yeah i mean we, i i probably talk about and want keepers that play with their feet more than most and even i will will admit that it's about stopping shots and you know taking command of the box and cutting out crosses um and denying service to attacking players in the box and that hasn't been good for lafc ever ever um in a lot of ways, the LAFC goalkeeper jersey reminds me of the Cleveland Browns QB jersey that just <laughs> every year you add a couple more names to guys that have been a starter and you can't settle on anybody. So this is certainly one way to go out and get a proven guy um, that you can trust to at least stop shots and and keep you in games. So. Uh, we'll see again, time will tell on, on how the feet are, but you know, if they, if LAFC is going to go with, you know, just let them clear the ball out and then counter press the ball to win it back and attack further down the field then fine, let's just see it. So, all right. And then, uh, I don't even know his first name, McCarthy, the, the third string goalkeeper that LAFC brought in from, I mean, again, we're going to lose guys. We're definitely going to lose guys over the because of um, what's it called due to international breaks and different yeah, things like that. Obviously, yeah. the it's going to be weird because the World Cup is in the the winter time and we're not affected at all. Yeah, right. Um, right. This year, um, like we normally would be as it, it during the summertime. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, again, it's another another veteran guy, guys who's been around the league, you know, played well when he was at. Um, you know, when he was in the games that he started for Miami. So, you know, yeah. like I said, this this team now has a veteran presence that we haven't seen since year two, one and two. Right. But, and right. It's, it's a welcome sight. Mm-hmm. The other thing I like about this is in a lot of ways, it's guys that you're able to get um, that you actually want. Like, so you pursue these guys because of, because of specific holes that you have on your team. So, you know Tristan Blackman's leaving, so you out you go out and you get Escobar, right? You know mm-hmm. Cisniega's gone. Your keeper situation is bad, so you go out and get Crepo. Um, I think in year one and two, they had to be a bit opportunistic. Like, why did we end up with Simon? Well, that we were able to broker a trade during the expansion draft with Toronto or whoever it was that we got him from. Uh, and you have to just be opportunistic with whoever's willing to trade for you at that time. And you're still building all these and putting everything together. And in the long run, Simon doesn't work out. So hopefully um, these are, these are moves not only for right now, but that help the team build in the future. I, I did want to say one more thing about Acosta, um, a little bit of controversy surrounding this move. It was, he made very clear on Twitter that he was looking for a move overseas and that uh, that was his expectation. So not sure this was his number one choice in terms of 
new jobs, but I think it's an opportunity, kind of like we said with Bryce Duke, for LAFC to show, hey, come here, perform well, we'll give you the platform you need, and we'll move you on. So hopefully hopefully LAFC can do better by Kellen Acosta than the Rapids or certainly FC Dallas did. Uh, so again, an opportunity for them to do the right thing and get a good player at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else on those guys, Josh? No. I think we should get into, obviously, the the biggest move of the offseason. Hashtag Bob out. <laughs> yeah. And obviously <laughs> what that what that ultimately means. Um, because I think that's going to have the largest effect on, obviously, yeah. what, you know, again, when you kind of look at it, why did they bring in the guys that they did? Right, right. Um, so not the most surprising of moves. Uh, I think... I think everybody had really high expectations for LAFC to go out and get some big name. Uh, Juan Carlos Osorio was was mentioned. Uh, El Piojo was mentioned, right? Um, Turco Mohammed was mentioned. I mean, all these guys, it's big, big names. People were shouting for Matias Almeida, which is quite possibly the craziest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, uh, just so many names thrown out there. Everybody wants a big name, and it ends up being Steve Chirundolo, who, while maybe not the sexiest name or the fanciest pick because of a lack of experience and the lights didn't do too well, uh, didn't do well, I should say. They were, they were pretty poor last year, uh, is somebody with a lot of history in the league and a lot of connections in Europe as well plenty of coaching experience, if not head coaching experience in the Bundesliga. So somebody that brings uh, certainly plenty of experience, even if it's not in the manager's seat. Um, Josh, what what are your overall impressions of Chirundolo and what he might bring? I mean, one of the things I think we talked about this after like the last game before Bob had even gotten fired, or maybe... Did we, I don't remember even if we recorded after Bob. No, this is the first time we've recorded since Bob's been let go, right? I think so, yeah. Right, yeah. but maybe it was in a text message conversation or something off, was, off yeah. the air. But we had talked about how we felt that the likely scenario was that 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 Turnilla would be moved into this position specifically because of the fami- the familiarity. Mm-hmm. Um from a from a management, you know, like from an executive perspective, right? The known is always 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 going to feel safer than the unknown. We talked right. about it with Greg Berhalter and right. the MLS guys, right? Absolutely. And sometimes it's sometimes it works in your favor, sometimes it doesn't. Um, in like I said, so I wasn't all that surprised when it came in, but at the mm-hmm. same time, when when he actually came from Germany to LAFC, I was excited because you know you kind of felt like. Um, you know, he was going to bring something to the table that we currently didn't have, you know, from a coaching perspective. Yeah. Um, you know, some, the, the, the guy, our, our current or our previous assistants, right. All seem to be guys who are more player development guys. I mean, I'm not sure what arena specialty was. Razov is like a kind of a guy like the, Being seems Bruce to be the guy. Like that's, yeah. That's um, you know, maybe right. Versus like, you know, Razov seemed to be that guy that that 
gets that would get two players right he, yeah, yeah he had that mls experience you know and 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 just a career that spoke for itself right and you know and from what i understand right was you know has good relationships with you know a lot of like you know he was responsible for getting a lot of the guys like rossi you know and the turnaround of, mm-hmm. of rodriguez last year you know were largely because you know due to his influence right he had a lot to do with that so keeping him was important but I think when you see, when you think about um, what, you know, the issues that, you know, Bob had at times, right, in terms of being so married to this idea of total football, right, that, you know, which is interesting because as the national team coach, right, was always conservative, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like they played that hard-nosed American style you know, four four two. You know, four four two or four four one one. You know, with Dempsey and Donovan up top, and just, you know, really just made it life miserable to play through, right? Yep. He brought a little bit of that to LAFC, but in a, obviously in a much different way. But then, obviously, you see how his influence. I think over the course of time, again, you could be the greatest manager in the history of the world, right? And sometimes it just falls on deaf ears. Yeah. Right, and I think it had gotten to that point with LAFC, and you know, and I'm excited to see what Trenload does. You know, again, maybe not necessarily from a tactical perspective, because I think to a certain degree, you know, yeah, there's going to be some things that he's going to want to do because everyone has their own philosophy, but I think they're going to largely stay similar to what they've done before. But he definitely feels like a guy that is going to, you know, be able to have different conversations with the players than Bob did, right? Yeah. I mean, so we we know a couple things about Bob, right? We know that he is uh, very demanding, that he he does have, uh, like, adaptable philosophies on the game. So to a certain extent, he's going to look at the team and say, this is what I've got. What can we get? What can we accomplish with this group? And I think with LAFC, it was a it was an opportunity for him to say, we are going to play high pressing, uh, counterattacking and possession football, right? And he was able to do that. He was able to sit down with JT and get pieces that he needed to play it and executed it well. Uh, whereas with the national team, he said, I have Landon Donovan and Clint Dempsey, uh, one of whom is the GOAT and the other uh is you know pretty good and plays for the galaxy uh, and the manager of the so- of <laughs> San Diego loyal yeah uh and he said okay so we're going to we have you know we have a bunch of really athletic mean spirited defenders and we're going to make you play through us and we're going to hit those two on the break and see what happens and he had a lot of success there but bob also in in his demands of players uh clearly has a bit of an abrasive personality when it comes to players he's not necessarily a player's coach right um and i i think i think in some ways he's he's kind of like thomas tuchel right where he's got a very he's got an ability to get a group playing really well together and they're they're both going to have success but as time goes on that wears on people, right? That wears on players. So Carlos Vela isn't going to listen to Bob scream at him 
for four years. It's just not going to happen. Eventually, that that relationship is gonna is gonna boil over, right? And so it wouldn't surprise me if that's part of the reason that that things ended up the way they did. Is you know, like you said, the the message stops landing because you can't. It can't always be the stick. Sometimes you got to get out the carrot too. Um, so it'll be interesting to see Chirundolo and 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 his approach to that as well. Um, I remember I remember seeing one time, I think it was about a year and a half ago, but that Bob had never been with any team for more than four years. Now, granted, four years in world soccer is, I mean, that's a, that's a lifetime, right? But it was interesting to me to see, it was like every stint where he's not, you know, not obviously not like Swansea or something, but it's like four years, four years, four years, four years, uh, and then he's moving on. So it seems like he's got a little bit of an internal clock where he's at, where he's done and players probably are too. Anyway, that's like a long aside to that, but yeah, I mean, um, you know, I get like Bob is a, is you know, like I said, one of the things that attracted us, you and I to LAFC, right, is Bob's tactics, right, right. and, and yeah. how tactics focused he was, and it it spoke to us, right, and and I think that's also probably why we were, we were always so hesitant to jump on the Bob out train, right, yeah. until yeah. you got to that point where you actually have to do consider. Right, the chemistry and 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 mm-hmm. and how those things are landing in the locker room, right? And and you can see the difference, right? There's like, you could be Pep Guardiola at Manchester City, and if you don't get along with someone, you know, even someone like Yaya Toure, yeah. and because you have a, a billion dollars to spend, see ya. It doesn't matter if yeah. you rub them the wrong way, right? How many guys have come and gone at Manchester City at the cost of you know fifty, sixty million dollar signings, right? right. Versus Right, if you're dealing with a more limited budget and you're at Liverpool, right, because the red the you know FSG wants to spend on the Red Sox this yeah. this time around, um, you know, or build a stadium or do whatever, you know, because they're looking at it from a more business standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes you have to you have to get you have to be that man guy, that man manager guy, right? Yeah. And yeah. you know, is it you know is you know like. Jose Mourinho, right, doesn't is is one of the greatest managers we've ever seen walk the face of the planet, but he's not everyone's cup of tea. No, right, guys, he's, guys, he's of basically hate. nobody's cup of tea. Right, There's... teams hold on as long as they can with him, win a trophy or two, and then it's like everything falls apart. Mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah. but doesn't mean he's not a good manager, right? And so yeah. there's the time and the place for some of those guys, you know, who guys who can handle that particular personality, teams, team setups that are going to handle that particular, you know, that particular personality, you know, like. You know, Mourinho's gonna want to play more gritty and da 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 because that's just his style. Versus, you know, you have Pep, who's this free flowing, but also, yeah, again, has rubbed people the wrong way. So, again, it it's it happens all the time. I think you you know, like I said, like yeah. you know, it was it it was bound to happen as much as we would have loved to have a guy in Alex Ferguson that's there for twenty years and yeah, yeah. you're right off into the sunset. It, again, that that's like you were saying, like the that's more unique than it is the reality, yeah. you know, than it is anything else. Because what more than often happens is a guy's there for, you know, half a season and gets canned because you're losing every game. I mean, like look no further than Cincinnati, Inter-Miami, any of the other expansion teams that yep. are not LAFC to see how quickly they've moved on from their manager. And to think that we got, you know, you know, that we, we had Bob to build up, build this, you know, provide a good foundation, um, you know, and then see where Trendolo can take it, right? Yeah, 
Yeah. Let me let me throw those types, kind of the hard-nosed coach, Tuchel, uh, Bradley, Jose, right? Let me throw them a quick bone here. Um, Barcelona have been flailing. <laughs> I mean, flailing for what feels like a lifetime now. I mean, when you talk about the glory days of Barcelona, it seems like it was eons ago. Uh, that they were any good, and it really was just a few years, right? And now it seems like they're just in the depth of despair. And they bring in Javi. I mean, it, I mean, he's been the anointed one forever. You know, went to Saudi Arabia and was coaching there, and it was just like a matter of time. When is he coming back? When is he coming back? And Coleman came in and then failed. And to me, that that's what they need. They need somebody to come in and just beat the crap out of all those egos in that locker room and say, you know what? Uh, Busquets and Piquet and Jordi Alba, you guys, you guys are done. I'm shutting you down. You're going to come off the bench when I say you come off the bench and they need to start bringing along their, their new talent. Right. Which uh, Chavi has done to be fair, right? He's benched basically all their high price signings only mm. to play everyone from La Masia. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing, right? He's, he's benching the wrong. He's, He's play, He's going back again to the Greg Berhalter thing. He's playing who he knows because he played with them like 15 no, years ago. I mean, I'm talking right? about like the his midfield is all like 18 years old. Right, right. right. But I'm talking about like PK and, and Busquets. Yeah. I mean, Busquets is still out there all the time. But because uh, anyway. he's Busquets. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's so smooth on the ball. <laughs> he's but it's, it's one of those ones he's just now. too good. Yeah. Um. But anyway, it's it's uh. So they they have their place, and I like I said, where you're building something and you need some, you need a, a specific style. Uh, Bob's the right guy, but now like there, it's just a different. LAFC is in a different place now, where they, they, we don't have, uh, like you said, we don't have oil oil baron money where we can just go out and buy whoever wants Bob, <laughs> runs Vela out of town or whoever it is, right? Um, got to got to be a got to be a different approach. So speaking of that tactical approach, um, mostly saw the 4-3-3 from Chirundolo, but uh, he was not averse to using a three-man back line in that 3-5-2 that we saw here um, with LAFC. I also saw him play a 4-2-3-1. Josh, what do you, given, given what you saw from the lights last year and what you've seen in terms of roster build, what do you think we're in for? So I think I'm going to take, I'm going to, you, you know, kind of pull on some of the interviews we've heard from him and the influences that he's talked about, whether it's, <clears throat> I think it was what Klopp and Ralph Ragnick, right? Mm-hmm. Were the kind of the two mm-hmm. guys that he, he talked about. I mean, he's a guy that is, is born of German soccer, right? Yeah. He's the mayor of Hanover. Right. And so when you think about, you know, what German soccer has largely been, right? It's four, two, three, one or four, three, three. And really, those two those two formations are largely interchangeable, right? It just depends on, mm-hmm. you know, how your you know is your are you have the sh- the shuttlers kind of up further forward and and this in the or do you have a single pivot or a double pivot, right? Kind of depends right. also on your right. back line and how stable they are too, and obviously your personnel. Given you have Acosta and Ilie, a four two three one is probably yeah. not without outside the realm of possibility and probably fairly likely. Or a four three three, which is Ilya as the lone six that sits in between, mm-hmm. right? And then <clears throat> sees Acosta in that 
Henderson role, right? Um, yeah. So I think obviously I think it'll depend from on who you're playing, right? If you're playing against a Seattle, we're probably going to be in a four two three one, right? Or something where Acosta and Ilya are sitting next to each other because you're you're not you know Ilya doesn't have the legs to do it, you know. I think alone from a defensive perspective, um, you know, in a single pivot, like that's just not his. I think his best yeah. his strong suit. Yeah. Um, against again a team like a Seattle, but if you're playing against you know your lower half of the league, could you sit? Like I said, do you could, will they likely play a four three three with Ilya sitting between you know the two the two center backs and then just pinging balls all over the place and letting Acosta and Sifu get forward probably right. So it like I said, it it'll really I think largely depend you know again and. Like we've always said, these formations are just, are largely just a starting point, mm-hmm. right? But I think what you'll probably see is, like I said, a four two four three three or four two three one, um, with the fullbacks getting forward the same way, um, Acosta kind of in a more defensive eight role in, in as a shuttler, Sifu with a little bit more license to kind of get forward, um. Obviously, Vela is is the guy who's going to play the true inverted, true inverted forward role, yeah. right? Where he's coming in with the ball at his feet. What they probably need from from um, Brian Rodriguez, and this is something I've discussed with with Vince before, is if you can turn Brian Rodriguez into Sadio Mane, right? Yeah, right. Because the thing that you'll see from Liverpool, or again, and, uh, you know, people are getting tired of my Liverpool takes here, but thing that you see well right is that you basically have right you know like both Mane and Salah both want the ball at their feet right mm-hmm. but Salah is just otherworldly at this point right yeah whereas Mane is very very good right mm-hmm. he you know he's a you know he's a potential best you know he's in the you know he's one of the best left wingers in the world right but is he otherworldly level probably not right right and so if you can get him to be that guy that if Vela has the ball on his foot, makes a hard diagonal run, right? But then also when, when you know, when Vela wants to kind of creep into the box a little bit more or, do, or, or stay outside, be the guy who picks up and cuts underneath when, when the opportunity presents itself yeah. instead of always asking the ball at his feet. Because that's the thing you kind of see with Brian is the one thing he, that he does extremely well and what Uruguay asked him to do is take the ball off on the left wing, put it, you know, come in, come inside and then play make for the forwards. Right. right. But Vela is a guy who all three of those forwards want the ball at their feet. Yeah. Right. Those yeah. are, that's just, they're very comfortable with all their feet. They're, they want to be able to, they can and want to be able to dribble and, and make something happen. And so trying to figure out how to strike that balance where someone, one of the, you know, I think Arango is more willing to make that run at this point. And so if you can convince Brian to do a 50-50 thing, I think having a more industrious midfield in that, like I said, in in that Liverpool Klopp kind of mold where they're they're definitely there to provide a basically provide a foundation for those front three to do what the hell they want. Yeah. I think you're in a good space there. Yeah, I mean you and I talked about it last year again often this is a aside from the roster build is one of those things that, I mean, it has to do with the roster build is 
if the creativity isn't coming from the midfield, it's got to come from the fullbacks. Uh, essentially, how are you attacking the five verticals in the attacking third? And if you've got Rodriguez and Vela as your inverted wingers, they're the half space guys, right? Arango's in the in the central uh, in the central vertical there, and your fullbacks are filling in on on the wings, right? And you have Palacios on one side, and you have either Moon or Escobar on the other, and those are all good attacking options. Like all of them, your Palacios is going to give you good service from the left wing. Moon can give you great service from the right wing. Uh, Escobar's goal dangerous himself. So all five of those attackers are going to be good. And like you said, if you go with the Liverpool model of an industrious midfield, uh, it's like if you have Sifu and and Acosta or Sifu and Blessing or Acosta and Blessing, like all the like all three of those guys are going to be great. 1v1 defenders and great at tracking down counterattacks and snuffing them out. Mm-hmm. Ilya is going to be the least suited to that. But again, if he's playing with a, with two guys ahead of him, like any combination of Sifu and Blessing and Acosta, like he's going to be all right. He'll be just fine, especially when you have guys like Mario and Fall and Segura at, at center back. Um, so I think, I think there's a lot to like there. In terms of other formations that we might see, um, the four-two-three-one makes a lot of sense when you look at the composition of the midfield. I guess it, well, when you look at like Acosta and Ilié, like I think that's a great partnership to have in a double pivot. The ten position is what is going to worry me, as well as I'm not sure I want Brian Rodriguez and Carlos Vela to be starting on the ball so far back. I want them pushed high, like again Barcelona heyday where the whole name of the game was to push the wingers as high as possible to open up space for the midfield to then shuttle the ball to them uh, and to pin the, the back line, the opposing back line back further. Um, the three, five, two, I just don't see it with our attacking group. I don't know what two strikers you put out there. So a three, four, three makes sense. And then potentially you're seeing Ilya and Acosta still, in some kind of some kind of combination there, um, but to me it looks built for for the four three three based on the midfield composition alone. Um, in terms of signings, I I could still see them again with the open D, the the open DP slot. I can see them targeting a DP midfielder. It's what I'd prefer that they do, uh, and we all know. Uh, my thoughts on who would be a great fit, what mold would be a great fit. I also think a six would be a smart play. And then Ilya at 31 years old doesn't have to give you 2,000 minutes in a season. He can just come in and spot fill as needed. So my question there is, is a cost of that guy, right, that slides back, right? Because we know he can play the six. He and can. Is, he can. And is currently the the backup six for the national team. Yeah. Right? I, and, I, I think he's, yeah, I think he would be a, a, a well suited starter for, for LAFC at the six. Uh, right. Again, he's not going to be at Tuesta. You're going to have, if you do that, you have to add a creative midfielder. And that's where I'm saying, right. And then do you yeah. now go out and get a, 
an eight slash ten versus an eight slash six in the mold of Alex Oxley Chamberlain, (laughs) who's the better version of Ross Barkley. Whereas he's on the right side of he is unavailable on the right side of know you know who they have to sign. Josh, just give in. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but I mean, truly though, like I think that's probably the the profile of that DP because I think you 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 have to give Rodriguez an opportunity to to continue to grow and to so you can sell him on. Right, yeah. So you're not going to bring in another winger until that is settled. You know, like the winger, you know, like you're not going to replace Rossi with another winger because I think you have to, like you already did that with Rodriguez. And if you do it, it again, doesn't you're, work. you're asking for trouble because of what happened. You know, again, you already saw what happened with him having to kind of play out a position and, and so on and so forth. Well, right, and I mean, you're, you have, you have a huge, like all, if you were to bring in another winger, you are, admitting you are not playing three DPs at a time. Yeah. Because Chicho's not coming off the field. Nope. I mean, there was a lot of talk about him potentially becoming the DP, right? So bringing in another attacking DP at this point would be malpractice as far as I'm concerned. And I like, I'll, if if they went out and they signed some huge name, huge name, uh, I don't know. They, they, they convince Erling Holland to come in. I'd still be like, okay, I'm happy to have Holland, of course, but yeah. like what what are what are we doing with all this money? Uh Q Taylor Twelman GIF, right? Uh what are we doing with all this money in the attacking at the forward position where we can't even play all these guys at the same time? Well that that's kind of what that you know, the Capacita rumor felt like yeah. to me, right? I'm like yeah. I I I I struggle to figure out exactly how it fits. Right? right, I'm sure you can make it, and maybe, maybe you just take a loss on Rodriguez at that point. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I'm not exactly sure how you put it all. You know, how you fit it all together, or, or do you just play four four two? Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess you go to the four two three one, and somebody's in the middle. Yeah, uh, but then pulling you, strings, but you know, ooh. your def- your you know your defense is going to take quite a hit because you're now you're expecting yeah those wingers to play a lot more defense if yeah. if you're you know if Vela for example is at the ten mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um you know or if you're going to play two strikers with with Arango and and Cabasita up top right there, there were going to be some you know there's going to be some fit issues that you're going to have to sort out yeah um you know that's why to me I think if I don't know it felt like. Yeah, it feels like the team to me now, I within its current composition, feels a lot more balanced. And yep. I said that now that profile of an eight slash ten, right, a, a true half space merchant, if you will, yeah. right. Um, is, I think is I think probably the next guy, especially because Acosta is six slash is eight slash six. Yes, I think this team performs better. If Acosta is a starting six, Ilya is the backup, and you bring in a DP eight. Again, I I don't I don't know who that is. Uh, I gave you, and and now to point of just trolling people, the the name, the mold that they need. Um, but I, it's not up to me to go find that guy in Uruguay. It's not. Yeah, but I, th- I think at the um, same time, having. Acosta and Ilya there gives you like you don't have to rush into finding that guy. Right, now. right. You right, can think, you can bring him in in the. I mean, people aren't going to like to hear this, but you can bring him in in the summer, 
and it only it only hits your cap half like you only get half the cap hit if you bring them in in the summer so that i mean that's fine with me and they'll be they'll be fine throughout the beginning of mls yeah. without without that third you know is that i think you know obviously you don't want to have to play ilia that much mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. for you know like i said if you can give him that opportunity to rest and again you can still do it to be fair by you know by playing blessing right ahead of acosta yeah. and yeah you know blessing and sifu ahead of acosta right so mm-hmm. There's there's enough there, Oof, right? That would be. Can you imagine having to play through that midfield? Yeah, <laughs> that would be like, oh, you talk about running the gauntlet through. The I mean, it's like our 2019. It's like our 2019 defense, you know, like midfield. Yeah. In terms of the having to run through, but at twist, you know, you don't have at twist to, you know, just trying to lay a hand on on the sound. You know, I think it was Roldan or whoever the hell it was, or no, Ladero, right? Yeah, who just yeah. ran right by him, and no, not Acosta's even gonna a... cut you down. Yeah, and, and so that's I, if yeah. that's if you're still standing after blessing does. <laughs> and that's the thing, right? So you you can you can play a midfield that again that, that doesn't give you much from an offensive perspective, yeah. but will absolutely yeah. wreck you, right? Which I absolutely love that you have that flexibility, right? Like, mm-hmm. should you want to play? with a with a with a regista type of six, you can stick Ilya in there and let him distribute. But if yeah. you just want to muck it up and make it really ugly, oh, yeah. that that midfield trio is, like I said, is 2019 on steroids. Yeah, from a yeah. from a pressing and I agree and defensive standpoint. Yeah, I mean their ability to press with that midfield would be honestly quite frightening. And if you're going back to a, kind of like a counterattacking uh, game model where it's just find find the winger or the fullback on the run in the counterattack, then. And I mean, and, and Charlie Lewis talked about it, right? He said that the one one of the biggest things he wants to add in to what LAFC is already doing, right, is adding more in tra- into the transition moment, right? Instead yeah. of the, always having to be that possession, that heavy possession team, right, a la Manchester City, mm-hmm. right? Can you hit with a quick strike over the top to to Rodriguez? You know, like you know, you basically let you let Vela just kind of hang out. Right, yeah. and with that midfield trio, Vela can definitely just hang out, right? <laughs> he could take a few plays off. Absolutely, sure. because those three are just going to, you know, do most, if not all, the work. And you add a guy like Escobar, yeah, you know, in there too from a defensive standpoint, and it gets really ugly for people. Um, and so, you know, if you basically have, you know, Chicho, you know, Chicho can probably drop in, but you kind of let Vela be the tip of the spear there, mm-hmm. and then you're basically trying to find either Chicho. Or Arango early. I mean, sorry, Chicho or Rayito early. Yeah. Right. And then you find, and then basically hit Vela and then run up, make runs off of him. You know, that's, that's interesting. It's almost if you, I remember people were skeptical about Jim Curtin pressing out of a four diamond two. Um, not that that's what LAFC would be doing because I think Chicho would still be leading the press there, but if you can win the ball in the midfield and find Chicho who is dropped in that out of a four, three, three, that looks a lot like a four diamond two. Um, and Chicho can definitely play make. I mean, he's, he's kind of a tweener in terms of a striker and attacking mid anyway. So um, that, that might be an interesting thing. To I mean, he's at. basic. I mean, I think in that, at that point you basically become Liverpool like in 2000, yeah. like yeah. Liverpool prior to, they you know prior to their full vex becoming world yeah, class right, right right where 
you know, they just pressed the hell out of everyone and then tried to find Salah and Mane on the break. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that was and and because you had Firmino dropping in doing a lot of mm-hmm. dirty work. Right. They, the mm-hmm. year they lost to um, Madrid in the final. Right. It was that that was closer to what we're seeing. Seeing. Yeah. Now. I mean, I guess that's that's kind of the genesis of Bobby Firmino can't score goals. Right. <laughs> he mm-hmm. spent time doing other things. So. Right. But yeah. do you need him to when you have Salah scoring thirty five? I don't know. Chicho scored like 14 in like six games. I know. And Vela scored <laughs> what? Six 20. games is an exaggeration for everybody. Just yeah. So you know. But then how many did Vela score in his, in his year? The, uh, the record? 34, 34. Right. So you have, yeah. I mean, if you can get 34, you know, 34 plus double digits anywhere else, you're fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. From a goal scoring right. perspective. Right. Like you'll pick up enough everywhere else, which is why, like I said, I, I do tend to, you know, like I said, given the forward talent we have, I do tend to favor this more industrious midfield than I do, you know, what we've seen in the past. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, uh, I think, I think we run the gamut on that, Josh. Uh, I did want to mention we're, we're looking at doing like a t-shirt campaign. Uh, we'd love to have, uh, your support. We'd love to see shirts, counter press shirts out at the bank. Um, so keep your eyes posted on our Twitter, on our Twitter, on our Twitter feed, Josh, uh, at counterpress underscore. Um, if you have any feedback for the show, please let us know. Uh, in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter, or we should probably start writing more articles again, I suppose, Josh. I think mm-hmm. you and I both wrote one and then stopped. <laughs> College, grad school got me hard last year, so I apologize. I wasn't as active as I wanted to be. But um, anyway, where can everybody find you right now? Um, on the golf course. But... Also go. on Twitter at LAFC Josh. All right. At Kirk Kinsey for me. We will talk to you all next time, hopefully with some more news and maybe uh, maybe the new kit to talk about as well. So we'll talk to you all then. Good night. Good night.